0: All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bonner joined by Rich Hoffman here at the Wells Fargo Center coming to you from the Sixers 106 to 89 victory over the Indiana Pacers which temporarily at least gives them the third seed in the Eastern Conference and more permanently the tiebreaker over the Pacers on this season. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, man. There was
1: uh, there was something a little bit different about the Sixers today and I can't put my finger on exactly what it was.
0: Yeah, it it's hard to really pinpoint that um 7 foot 2 can certainly sort of slip out of view. Um but they certainly were a different team, especially in that second half. You know, the first half there was you know, I think probably a lot of concern among Sixers fans in a game of this magnitude and they were just not executing all that well, especially in you know, the second quarter there where the Pacers took a pretty big lead. But the Sixers came out outscored the Pacers 55 to 30 in the second half, played for the first time in a little while defense that you could really get behind. And Joel Embiid after a little bit of a sluggish start really burst out there in the second half and especially in that fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, I think it was 49 to 35 when the Sixers were being booed midway through the second quarter.
0: Which uh, I had I had somebody like get into my uh, DMs killing me for it saying that they were booing the rest No, they were booing the the team and the performance. The Pacers had just opened up a 14-point lead. They had gone on, I think, a 5-0 run there. They were very definitely booing the performance of the Sixers.
1: I've certainly seen better officiated games in, oh, my, for sure. in my life. but the they were, deserved to be booed. But yeah. they were booing the team. And the Sixers responded with, I think it was 31 points they gave up in the next 24 minutes. Now, I think a lot of that had to do with Indiana missing shots not really having the firepower just in general to score on the Sixers. Uh, missing free throws, they missed a ton of those, too. But that was some of the best defense we had kind of seen all year. And on a day when the Sixers didn't shoot that well, I, they win comfortably just because they locked down on defense in the second half. And I think the lesson here is that booing works. And <laughs> yeah you you know don't let don't let people tell you it's counterproductive well
0: there's a very big portion of philadelphia maybe not this generation it seems like this generation the younger generation is a little more against booing but there is certainly a big portion of philadelphia that agrees with you there covenant won all
1: defense after getting booed the whole year come on it works the uh yeah i agree with you as much as we talk about offense the fact that this team and of course, I do zero prep for this, but I think they were 12th in defense, I think, on cleaning the glass coming into the game. Whatever. It was it was sort of down around that level. We we talk about offense all the time. Yeah. This team needs to be a top five defensive team if they want to get where they want to go. I mean, they were third in defense last year and coming into the year. I think all of us generally were like, yeah, we don't see any reason why they shouldn't be up at that level again. Now, that was three teams ago. And the uh, the aforementioned Robert Covington, his absence certainly hurts on that end of the floor. But I mean, this team, there's no reason they shouldn't be at least close to a top five defense. And this game kind of felt like one of those those wins last year where Sixers don't shoot it well, really at all. It it was a rock fight for a lot of the game, but they just they just played really good defense in the second half.
0: Yeah, and I every time I'm asked about that, whether it's talking about just general offensive productivity, whether it's Ben Simmons' role in his shooting and the impacts that have has in the half court, especially late in the game, and there's truth to all of that, whether it's Jimmy Butler's role or Tobias Harris fitting in or J.J. Redick's slump, I always go back to, well, yeah, but you can't rely on their defense. And you're going to have nights like you had the other night against the Rockets where you shoot three for 26 from, from three. Against the Bulls where a good defensive performance And you win that game against a bad team, and you just have not been able to count on this team having a good defensive performance night in and night out. You couldn't do it before Embiid went down. You certainly couldn't do it in the eight games that he missed. And if they can establish any kind of a defensive identity heading in the playoffs, I think that's going to be a big win. And for as much as we're going to focus on offense and Ben Simmons and what do you do with him and how much does Jimmy get the ball and why isn't he shooting any threes anymore, (laughs) <laughs> and can you get J.J. Reddick going? All very valid concerns. They really do need to establish that defensive identity that they have lost and that they really should be better at. I don't know if they're going to be as good as last year's team. You know, I think losing Robert Covington, I think he was underrated by some parts of this fan base and what he can bring to you as a team defender. Certainly, I think it's a step back when you talk about him to Jimmy Butler. Um, but they should still be a good defensive team. And especially now that you can throw out lineups where you can put in, you know, credibly put in James Ennis or Mike Scott at the Sixers trying to hold the lead late over JJ Reddick. You can limit TJ McConnell's minutes a little bit. And maybe you have a couple backup options at the center, although I'm a little more dubious. Any of those will actually be plus defenders in the playoffs. And we'll get to that. Um, but it was a good second half performance for sure. It was a positive sign to take.
1: This team needed a positive sign too. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, we're talking here now, relaxed after what ultimately was a pretty, you know, th- there was no drama at the end of this game. It was, it was pretty easy. But midway through the second quarter,
0: early in the third quarter, they were down 11 in the third quarter.
1: Oof, people were not happy no. and deservedly so. I mean, they were playing, playing poorly and then, you know, coming off the heels of, uh,
0: two of the worst losses of the season.
1: Yeah, in different ways. Yeah. One where they just didn't really compete and the other one where the the classic Sixers give up the the 10-point lead at the end of the game and have no idea how to guard a Zach Levine pick and roll. Yeah, it was uh it's it's good for them to get this win and I mean I, I do think, you know, we we said this coming into this game for uh for their seeding purposes, I think this was the most important game on the schedule the rest of the year. The to me the second round, whether you play Milwaukee or, uh, or Toronto doesn't really matter to me. The only like real nightmare scenario, because those are both going to be tough is if you play Boston in the first round. And the way you avoid that is getting ahead of Indiana, whether, whether that means you're the four seed or the three th- seed. We'll see Boston has risen from the dead and is playing really well now uh, up to their, uh, up to their level. But, I do think uh, that's huge. I mean, now they're tied with Indiana, or tied they're with Indiana record-wise with, with the tiebreaker, but they have the yeah. tiebreaker too. And uh, yeah, this is important. And I mean, Indiana's schedule down the stretch is pretty hard.
0: Yeah, no, it's absolutely brutal. I, I, the Sixers should, if they play well and if Joel Embiid stays healthy, they, I, I think they're going to end up certainly ahead of Indiana in the in the in the seedings. You know, I think a lot of people expect that to happen a while ago when Oladipo went down. Pacers sort of played through their soft portion of the schedule. The Sixers played without Embiid, and I think that caused a lot of angst. I still do think the Sixers, from here on out, first of all, are, are the better team, like I said, if Embiid's healthy. And second of all, have the much easier schedule. So the Sixers would have to pretty drastically underperform, or the Pacers just have to catch fire in order for that not to happen. Like you said, that is absolutely huge. Um, you know, I think, I heard Spike bring this up, but the difference between losing to Boston in the first round And losing the Boston in the conference finals realistically isn't all that different. You still lost to the same team, the same matchup, the same coach. But psychologically, that's a huge deal. That's an enormous, enormous deal because you've taken away the opportunity for them to do anything else positive by playing other teams that you maybe have a better chance against. And I'm not saying the Sixers can't beat Boston in a series, but you would certainly prefer not to play them in the first round. So this was a giant win.
1: Although, and I agree with what you just said, I am kind of thinking about it because. The uh, the Eastern Conference playoffs this year, I think Zach Lowe's mentioned this a lot. Like, it's going to have ramifications on free agency and you know how players feel about their respective situations. The uh, if the Sixers did play Boston in the first round, whoever lost that series, like the team was getting broken up in some way or
0: another. Yeah, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah,
1: and and, and that and that could be kind of the death blow for uh for for Boston losing Kyrie. It would
0: be. It would be really interesting to see how either it would, first of all how either team would react because it would certainly test their belief in their their what they think they are building upon, but also how the fan bases would react. It, every now and then, I'll when the Celtics are struggling, I'll go over to like Boston Celtics subreddit and I'll read their fans, and it's the exact same. It's oh Brad Stevens, his late game clock management, his lack of timeouts to stop a run, his rotations. All of that stuff they'll bring up, and it's like a mirror of exactly what the Sixers are doing. And for as much as Brad Stevens has accomplished, and I think Brad Stevens is a really good coach, one of the best five to seven in this game. Definitely. They still haven't, like, they're a team that has championship aspirations, too. And whenever you have this kind, and we'll get in this, we actually- They lost to the Bulls. They lost to the Bulls, too. Not in a
1: close game, either.
0: Um. Whenever you have a team with these kind of expectations, and we'll get into this later in the week, we're going to do a a Brett Brown focused pod since that's all anybody wants to talk about. Um, But whenever you have those kinds of expectations, heat comes down and it comes down strong. It comes down from ownership and Josh Harris and his comments, it comes from fans. And it is going to be interesting to see. There are so many teams with legitimate finals expectations or hopes, and only one of those, you know, (laughs) one of those three or four teams are going to actually be able to get there. Only one of those four teams can make it. It's its going to be it, phew, It's gonna be a hell of a playoffs. We've said that before. But it's going to be a hell of a playoff.
1: It's going to be th- three failures yeah. out, of, out, of, out of the four, which yeah. is, you know, I mean, when you put it that way, it's just like, it's, good, it's going to be hard. And by the way, for the Sixers, you know, it's it's great that they got back on track today. It's going to be really hard to make yeah. the finals, man.
0: No, I mean, it, it, this is the Eastern Conference. If you look at all the teams' strengths of schedule, the East has a much easier strength of schedule every time because – Outside of the top four, we'll, we'll include the Pacers, um, especially when they had Oladipo. We'll still include them. They've been playing very well, even with that injury. But once you get past those top five, there's just, I mean, the Nets are a nice story. They're not comparing to a top team in the West. Uh, the Pistons, I mean, does anybody really believe in the Pistons? It's just you get to really flawed teams very quickly. But the top of the East has, I mean, there are four teams. You know, I think the best team in League Warriors, uh, hot take. The second best team I think is is the Rockets, especially with the way they're playing. Really? Especially with the way they're playing right now. Um and I think they're finding their stride. They're but playing, I, you're,
1: they're they're playing well, but they're I, playing very well. I I can't look past Milwaukee's what they're doing Yeah,
0: if but if you're asking me who I have more confidence in the playoffs, like if you're uh, let's put it let's frame it in this context, who has a better chance of beating the Golden State Warriors in a playoff series? I'm taking the Rockets.
1: Yeah, I mean they they do play that that switching style and they my God, did they embarrass the sixers the other night
0: and i i mean i i think I think Milwaukee's the third I think they're the best in the east, but my point was I think the East might have you know three through seven in that um in that that range like I think they have the next three through six i mean I think they have the next four best teams, so it's very top heavy it's teams that all have legitimate aspirations and um it is great thing about the end of the stretch so the sixers have 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 what fifteen games left, yeah, sixteen, I can't do math. Mostly easy games, like a lot of, you know, Atlanta, Cleveland, um, Charlotte. Those kind of games. Your, your relatively tough games are like the Kings at home. But you still have, what, I think two against Milwaukee.
1: One against Boston. One against
0: Boston. And those are the ones that you circle on your calendar. And they're the ones that you're really going to use as a measuring stick. Because for as much as they've struggled against these teams, they've only played what?
1: They've only played Milwaukee once.
0: Yeah, but I mean, since the Tobias Harris trade, they have played Just Boston. The Boston once, and that's it.
1: Played like crap, lost, close game.
0: Yeah. So you really want to see, because the Sixers have had some good wins. Like, they don't yet have a above 500 record against 500 teams, I don't think. I'd have to double check. I haven't checked in a while. But they've had a bunch of quality wins. They haven't beaten these two teams. And that's going to really influence a lot of fans' confidence in this team going forward they need to get on the same. They have a little bit of time in between now. Um, and especially in, in that um, next Celtics game, they've got some time to sort of get up to speed and we'll see what they do from here.
1: Speaking of confidence. I mean, to just have the big man back is
0: uh, it's a different team. It's,
1: it's, it's, team. it's part of the reason when I'm watching them get their butts kicked in Houston, I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm not sure this really matters. I, I, I get it. I, I wish their, their bench depth was better. I wish, Ben Simmons could attack one-on-one matchups better. I wish Jimmy Butler just wasn't so freaking frustrating with the shots he takes. It's amazing. Uh, I wish all that stuff. But you have to realize that the, the team's best player and one of the best five or six players in the league easily is not playing. Yeah. And this team's not going to have a shot without him. I uh, What did you think of him today? I thought you know he does the, the I'm back thing after that just absurd N1 finish off a Euro step. But uh, it looked to me like a little rusty in the beginning, yeah. and then he got better as the game went on.
0: No, he looked very rusty in the beginning. Settled for a couple of trail shots, which Brett kind of warned us before the game. He's like, you might see Joel jog into a couple trail threes. There, he didn't think his conditioning was up to par. I think Joel said after the game he was. They were talking about maybe 24 minutes is what they thought he could play, while still you know sort of giving that good effort and ended up playing 28. Could have played.
1: Thirty-two. He mean, probably could
0: have. He, I mean, he was certainly picking up steam towards the end. You know when he got it going there, and he you, you saw a bunch of drives. You saw him post up a little more. He got to the foul line a ton, like he always does, and that's sort of one of the I don't want to say hidden advantage, but maybe one of the advantages we don't think of with Embiid is getting the other team's entire front court into foul trouble. A good front
1: court, too. Yeah.
0: No, he looked he looked really good, um, and it was one of those rare games where he doesn't pick up a block but i think i think he played pretty good interior defense too easy shots the team was giving up over the previous eight game were no longer easy he played well um he just he
1: just brings that level of physicality like yeah. i mean god he just sticks his ass into these guys and i mean they go flying and they foul him it was uh it was pretty great seeing him get teed up in the first uh <laughs> the first first quarter that was amazing he that didn't, was he i didn't
0: he didn't touch him he didn't touch him.
1: It was not a good call. I I don't know if it was Ed Malloy. I can see
0: how it looked like he tripped him, but he didn't touch him.
1: There was a guy sitting behind us who screamed at Ed Malloy. You went to the same high school as Donaghy, <laughs> which is factual. Uh, yeah, they that, that that was a blown call. But yeah, he got all of these guys in foul trouble. He got Turner in foul trouble. He got Sabonis in foul trouble. And God, when you look at their uh, look at their scoring numbers, Miles yeah. Turner two of seven. Yep, Thad Young, three of ten. Thad has played well against the Sixers too. The Sixers do that thing where they, uh, I mean, God, they, they they've played Indiana with with all these different teams, but in general, they like to put Embiid on Thad instead of Miles Turner because Miles Turner is more of a pick and pop threat, I guess, and they think Joe can kind of handle handle Thad. But yeah, they did a they did a really nice job. I and again, I mean, this was all basically after the middle of the second quarter. And on because I mean Bogdanovich was was scoring on Butler with relative ease to start the game just wasn't a lot of intensity you thought from a team that again they, they needed to play well today like this you know a- after those two losses you would have thought they would have come out with a little bit more force but give them credit they, fa- they found their way in the the second uh second quarter and now they they have a couple easy games this week to kind of right the ship again the uh what did you make of Embiid after the game kind of talking about his, his knee? It doesn't sound like he's all the way back yet.
0: No, and what, what was interesting is that he himself brought up, you know, I might end up sitting a game or two here, which he has historically not been a big fan of. You know, earlier in the season, he was like, I can't sit a game because I'll lose all my conditioning, which is absurd, but he clearly does not want to sit games. He doesn't want to be on back-to-back restrictions. He basically said, we haven't yet discussed whether I can play back-to-backs, um, but he said separately, you know, I, I might end up sitting the game depending on how it feels. It seems like he has a pretty good approach that this is something to be managed, that it's something he wants to play and he wants to help the team win he wants to get back into a rhythm, but he also recognizes that if that's bothering him and, 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 and chronic, it's not going to end up helping the team. So it seems like that's a good spot. It doesn't... I don't so, know, this it's is a it, weird injury. It, it just feels like something that, if not properly managed, it could linger.
1: It's a weird attitude change from him. He's being very cautious with yeah. his uh, with his knee here. and
0: I mean, this, this is a guy who's like, yeah, my, my wrist, was it wrist? His wrist, I think. He's like, yeah, it's been hurting me for a year straight, and but I'm nev- fine.
1: And he never mentioned that yeah. until, until that one game. Yep. And, I mean, he's the guy who's kind of just running all over the floor and still jumping over oscar winners and and everything he uh but it was
0: a nominee at that point rich
1: but it seems like well i mean she wouldn't have been alive to accept the award (laughs) if uh if his foot was like a close call yeah the uh yeah it it just seems like he's taking more care you know when it you know he he was the one who went to them and and said that this is the injury and then he even volunteers after the game he says well i might need to take off a game and then somebody asked him Oh, did you guys talk about this? He's like, no, no. not yet. He's like, I just yeah. think like I need to take off a yeah. game. So yeah, it's. Uh, I thought that was a little bit weird, and I think kind of suggests that he's still a little bit uncomfortable out there.
0: Yeah, I thought- but also I I do think so. I, I I share concern that you know maybe this is something that lingers, but I do, do think it's good that hopefully he has the right approach of it because he's always had a lot of sway and a lot of of say in his playing time and when he plays. Like I mean, we've said this a million times, Joshua Harris basically set it up in Sloan. He is the most important person in that franchise and he has to wield that power responsibly. And I hope this is a sign that, you know, maybe I do think there was a very big part of him that wanted to prove that he's an everyday player. And I think hopefully this is maybe a little bit of a transition to I've got to do what's right for my body and in, then in conjunction, with what's right for the team.
1: You're, you're an everyday player, my, my man. Yeah, you're, man, you're, you're, pe- people know how good you are and. Look! Look! Just stay healthy and make it through the season, right. and then that's that's the way to not be considered the injured guy. How about that shot at uh, Colangelo? Just just <laughs> drive by.
0: Yeah, I mean, he 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 basically said that the what was basically the communication uh, about his his injury and his status has improved. Uh, he's it seemed like he kind of realized what he did and he pivoted to you know Elton's a really good at that and a good communicator. Well, Looks like it could have been a little shot.
1: I think he said breath of fresh air. I thought that was. <laughs> There's only one difference in the uh, in the organizational structure now. So,
0: All right, let's go to James, Mr. Butler.
1: <sighs> oh, man. You know,
0: you look at it at the end of the day, and his stats almost exactly mirror what they were in Minnesota. You look at his shot total. Now, he only had, what was it, eight tonight and six trips to the free throw line, finished with 12 points, four rebounds, four assists, and no turnovers
1: no threes
0: no threes attempted he's now attempted 23 threes in the last 14 games his shot selection is super weird because i wouldn't call like at times he's passive at times he's aggressive he'll pass up an open three pump fake jab step jab step and dribble into a pull-up jumper a fadeaway turnaround but then he'll pass up really good looks or he'll pass up you know scoring opportunities where he's got a mismatch it is it's it's It seems like he's second guessing a lot. It's just ah.
1: Brett. Brett always Brett always brings up that he's you know it's an old Larry Brown thing. Play the right way, and Jimmy is trying to play the right way. And I think what he means by that is he's trying to get his teammates involved and pass off. But here's the thing: the right way is shooting when you're supposed to shoot as well. And the guy, I, I mean, you know, I think part of the reason we were at least a little bit hopeful about his fit with Ben and Joe. Is that his catch and shoot numbers have been good in the past?
0: He, Always been a reluctant catch and shoot shooter, though. And he, he Not just, this reluctant, but reluctant. And now he's
1: even more reluctant in the one situation where it's now even more important. And I, I don't get it, man. Like, how many times, uh, you know, there was a play in the first quarter today. Somebody skipped the ball over to him in the weak side corner. Like that's got to be a shot. You have to shoot that. And of course, he drives in. I think it was like a turnover or, or something like that. But. I'm fine with passing the ball when you're supposed to, and, and trying to get your teammates involved. I just don't think he makes the right read nearly as much as I would hope. I think, you know, w- whether it's passing up layups or, you, you know, sometimes he takes bad shots. Sometimes he takes the contested ones. I I just feel like at times it, he's making it a lot harder than it has to be.
0: Yeah, and and I mean, look, there you need a guy who can take and make tough shots. Like there are times when the offense is going to break down. You want that. I don't even care about the bad shots so much because he can, he can get to the free throw line. He can make some of them. The lack... I to be truth, I don't care. He's shooting like 17% from three overs the last 14 games. I don't really care about that. I don't care about the misses. Like, I am very receptive to shooters struggling. Like, JJ Redick struggles. Yeah, that's going to happen. Robert Covington had historic struggles. That's going to happen. Teams will still respect a struggling shooter at the three-point line. You will still space Joel Embiid if you miss a shot. If you have a a history of making it, Jimmy Butler, while never a high-volume three-point shooter, last four and a half or so years, he's been a 36% three-point shooter at about three and a half per game. That will stretch the floor. Missing shots isn't going to stop that not taking shots will. If you don't take shots, they will leave you open in the corner. They will double off of you. We have seen that happen. Now, he's not at a Mark Hill Foltz level. No. But you've got to let that rip, man. Like, it's it's just, it's... And I don't... I'm not... Like, by and large, if Jimmy Butler wants to play a more passive, team-oriented game, that's great. But I need him defensively to give more than he has been. And I need him to take those open shots. And then I think he can be a hell of a fit, assuming he's happy with that and comfortable with that and all of that. But he needs to let it fly. and There's so many times where he's, like you said, he gets kick out pass to the corner. It's hard to generate an open corner three. It's not an easy thing to do in the NBA. Opposing coaches work really hard to take that away. There's a real opportunity cost to letting that go unshot.
1: That's uh, the old Nate Duncan term, the record scratch, where yeah. you, you basically you stop the offense. And yeah, it's, it's like you said that. I mean, the whole point of it is to generate that corner three, and then when you willingly give it up, you have to start all over again. It's uh, it's frustrating. Even though I will admit his numbers and his impact, I think a lot of them are right in line with his career averages. It's, I we might have to write something about this at some point. This is one of the stranger evaluations I've ever had to make. Yeah,
0: yeah. no, and I, I, I mean,
1: but, but I mean, besides the the guy who forgot how to shoot, that guy yeah, <laughs> that, that was that was a tough one.
0: That was that will always be a a, a tough one. Um, and then defensively roasted in the first half. Like just continually roasted. On ball, off ball, people are cutting off him all day and he just wasn't paying attention. He's a big gambler on defense and that has bit them at times. And his on ball defense has not been as good as you hoped. So he's still a playmaker. He'll still force steals. He'll still jump passing lanes. He'll still play center field and, and, and all that. But they need more from him defensively. And there are just so many times where it seems like he is not Fully engaged, and you don't know whether that's he lost a step, which is concerning if you're talking about a free agent. You don't know whether he's not giving full effort, which is concerning because he's going to be a free agent, or whether he's saving self himself a little bit for the playoffs. Which okay, I guess, but he better actually then be there and be that defensive force in the playoffs. Um, for a it it, it his defense. And as much as his shooting will frustrate me. And I think they're putting him in, in a lot more shot creation. Like, they're giving him a lot more freedom to isolate, to run a pick and roll, to do the stuff that he's comfortable with.
1: He gets a lot of pick and rolls in that that unit at the beginning of the second quarter. Yeah. Where...
0: They need him to reward them with a little more consistent defensive effort.
1: Yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a big gambler. And, you know, when, when he gets the steal, it's great. I mean, he made a couple of, awesome plays in that game against Orlando earlier this week. And that was a game where he was completely silent for three and a half quarters. And then was just a monster down the stretch and completely bailed them out of a game that they, uh, it looked like they had a really good chance of losing. Um, yeah. He's, he's frustrating, man. What, uh, what do you think this backup center thing is starting to really become yeah. a problem.
0: The Jonah Bolden experience has gotten real dark real quickly.
1: He didn't get any time that I mean he got in at the end, but he's behind Amir, I guess, right now in the rotation, which I like look. I love Amir. Wrote the story about him going to the G League. I actually thought that was cool. I know a lot of people made fun of me. If he is your backup center, it's a problem.
0: Yeah, and look, I I've I've Bolden at center intrigues me. The <sighs> lack of options the Sixers have. I mean, I Look, I've been open. I don't think Boban is a realistic option in the playoffs. I think history has pretty much proven that. I think his recent play, had, before he got injured, had pretty much proven that. Obviously, uh, Mike Scott, is. you will use him in doses because you want to put as much shooting around Ben as you can, but he's not... I
1: don't like that defense. No, and you, you suffer
0: defensively. You suffer rebounding-wise.
1: He, he basically needs to be hitting
0: threes. Short spurts. You know, maybe a five-minute run, a not even, a four-minute run, three-minute run, a, a half, maybe. Do You really need somebody who can rebound and move on the perimeter to complement Boban. And Bolton's the only one that physically can do that. And his lack of awareness defensively has been really evident here over the last couple of weeks. It's a real problem. I still am intrigued by him over the next couple of years, but I'm less intrigued by him this April and May for sure.
1: We talked about Bolton a few weeks ago and how you were kind of surprised how poor his numbers were. defensively. I'm not surprised anymore. The The tape is kind of what, what we're seeing has kind of caught up to those numbers. And yeah, it's just
0: they kept trapping against uh, against Houston because I mean, they're such a good pick and roll team. You've got to throw different looks at them. Every time they trap pulled and missed a backside rotation, every time it was on like clockwork.
1: And I we were talking about this too in, the, in those situations. I, I don't think Butler and Simmons were necessarily doing the right thing either, but like it's just like look at the guy rolling to the rim, and it's like he's gonna dunk it if you don't right. rotate like, over. You like, don't care about your man in the corner like, anymore, like, 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 like yeah, for, yeah, forget. And I think that would suggest that he's probably thinking a lot too mm-hmm. too much on defense. And
0: yeah, and uh, look, it is a rookie doing that isn't a big concern development wise. When you start getting to your third year and you're still doing it like Rashawn, that's when it starts to become a huge concern. The problem is you don't really know which way that's going to unfold here until it actually happens. Like we're not around them in practice. We don't get to see their film session and what they're, you know, really gathering, whether or not they're a sponge soaking things up or whether or not this is just going to never click. It's, understandable for Jonah to be missing some rotations now. And by some rotations, I mean, a lot of rotations. I can see why Brett doesn't have a whole lot of confidence. You hope that this isn't still like if in two years, Amir Johnson is still beating out Jonah Bolden. We've got an issue. I mean, Amir shouldn't be on the team, but uh, anyone in Amir's ilk,
1: he probably won't be in the league in two years. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: But yeah, they're going to have to, uh, they're really gonna have to piece that thing together. I'm, I assume Boban's coming back pretty soon. I haven't heard too much about that.
0: Yeah, and he was going through a workout today before the game and looked looked pretty I'm pretty mobile for Boban. But he looked close to what you would expect a Boban to be. I miss our friend Boban. I He's so much fun. I, I, you know, I think
1: the last couple of weeks haven't been as fun because I don't have a guy jump or uh, dunking without jumping anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's been tough. Um, yeah. Anything else?
0: I mean James Ennis, he's looking better. The, the tournament like the tournament looks like it should be nearing its end, yeah. He uh, he played well. I although it, I got to say he
1: stunk against Houston the other night he too. Did. But the, he did. so did everybody else, so I guess.
0: I would, the way I'd describe this tournament is Jonathan Simmons looks like looks like or James Ennis looks like he's out of control some of the time. But Jonathan Simmons looks like he's in control some of the time. <laughs> and that's sort of like what you're deciding between. And theoretically Jonathan Simmons can do more off the dribble theoretically he can pass. The problem is a lot of the, when in actuality, a lot of those dribbles, a lot of those passes turn into bad results. So even though theoretically he has more skill in function, it's a negative because it hurts you more. Sim- or, um, Ennis seems like he plays within himself more frequently than Simmons does, which I think is a, a big, and also he's just a better spot up shooter, which is important.
1: That's very important. And he, uh, he has been impressive a couple of times over this past week he uh, he's a very good leaper <laughs> he i mean yes. he, he got a couple offensive rebounds today
0: not a, a very good finisher given his athletic ability but no, he can I, get up
1: there i told you during the game i mean i think i tweeted this a few few weeks ago i think the three guys they acquired scott Ennis, and scott's you know he shot the ball well not over the past couple of games but but he has shot the ball well uh they might be the worst layup shooters in the league the three of them combined ennis cannot I think he'd have to double clutch in transition if he was wide open, shooting a layup. But uh, yeah, I think just in general, Simmons take or uh, Jonathan Simmons takes more off the table than James Ennis. and yes. it seems like that's gonna be the that's gonna be the ninth man in your rotation.
0: Yeah, when when you're getting in the playoffs, so it was negative plays, especially on a team that has a lot of high risk, high reward built into them. You can't have a role player t- making negative plays like that. So yeah,
1: I thought he I thought he made some good hustle plays today. And again, it was like it was like the rest of the Sixers. Didn't really shoot it that well, but just, you know, made enough deflections, made some offensive rebounds, did a did a nice job against these guys.
0: All right, so we have Cavs here on Tuesday, and then the Kings here on Friday. Revenge game against Revenge the Cavs. Revenge game before going out to Milwaukee for the next enormous game. And then we have Boston here next week. This is really the stretch. They have one more against Milwaukee, but this is really the stretch that we're going to look back on and say, did they turn their season around? Did they? This is going to be vital for that third seed because they could run off a few games here at the end. I mean, you start looking at, you know, last six games, you've got uh, Dallas, Atlanta, Chicago, Miami, and Chicago again in there. Like, you should be able to run stuff off at the end of the season.
1: Derek's going to get 40 minutes in that Dallas game.
0: Yeah, which will be fantastic. It's going to be like his... Fourth or fifth last game of his career, Um, which sometimes it's painful to watch Dirk play. Still, I would say
1: all the time, yeah, painful to watch him. But
0: it will be, it'll be a good. He's he's been one of my favorite players for a long time. Um, Yeah,
1: I I think that you know we'll have some pods between now and then. But yeah, that uh,
0: this next week and a half is enormous, and this is a a good start to that stretch.
1: That Milwaukee, Charlotte, Boston stretch is is big. From there, it should be smooth sailing the rest of the
0: way. It's big for the team's confidence. It's big for our mentions. It is big for everything.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: So so, uh, we'll get into that on the pod later this week. But I think that's probably good. We don't need to have a a long one here, um, in part because I've still got to drive home and put this thing together. But thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, man. track clientele my mic check is life or death breathing the sniper's breath i exhale the yellow smoke a Buddha through righteous steps